This is Vincent, and you're listening to Liberal Lies, Liars, and True Believers. We all know that liberals lie. They lie all the time. And their friends in the media lie, too. Their uninformed true believers claim that liberals are the smartest people in the room. But facts prove that wherever they have power, there is only failure. Our job is to expose their lies, to stand up to their lies, and to keep our freedom. The great state of Massachusetts is taking the lead once again, the state that took great pride in the fact that it started America's Revolutionary War for Independence, is now leading an effort to use the COVID-19 crisis to give government unlimited power. Amazing, isn't it, that the state that valued freedom so much that they fired the shot heard round the world now wants to be the state that leads us down a path that could end our freedom. Is this a case of poetic justice or just plain insanity? You know, a lot of people think it's California or New York that always seems to come up with all of the crazy left-wing ideas. And there's no doubt that the leaders in those states contribute their fair share to the radical left. But so do Michigan and Oregon and other states, too. But if you want to know which state shapes left-wing policies and which state was the first to make the Democratic Party the party of the elites, it's clearly Massachusetts. And a lot of American patriots must be turning over in their graves. In their worst nightmare, could they ever imagine the people of Massachusetts turning their backs on the Constitution? They risked everything to break away from Britain and help form the original 13 colonies. And now the state where it all began wants to throw everything away and be known as the place where authoritarian socialism was established in what was formerly known as the land of the free. And what would Paul Revere be shouting now? If you could hear him, he'd probably be shouting, The Marxists are coming! The Marxists are coming! John Adams and Abigail Adams, too. And John Hancock and Crispus Attucks. And should the flags be lowered in the towns of Lexington and Concord to half-staff to mourn this shift from freedom to servitude to an all-powerful government? There was a book published in England in 1776. It was called a short view of the history of the New England colonies. A paragraph from that book read, In all the late American disturbances, and in every attempt against the authority of the British government, the people of Massachusetts Bay have taken the lead. Every new move towards independence has been theirs, and in every fresh mode of resistance against the laws, they have first set the example, and then issued their admonitory letters to the other colonies to follow it. Well, that was then, and this is now. Today, too many Massachusetts political leaders believe that America was founded on a lie, and they want to tear it down and start something brand new, something with a lot less freedom, because there are way too many people who aren't one of the elites. And as the people in Cambridge, the home of Harvard University, know for certain, only elites can be trusted to handle freedom. The latest attack on freedom comes from the far-left extremist Massachusetts Attorney General, a woman named Maura Healey. She's being pushed by a lot of people, including Senator Elizabeth Warren, for the job of Attorney General in the Biden administration. If you thought that radical nutjob Eric Holder was a nightmare, you ain't seen nothing yet. 
If this woman gets the job as attorney general for Joe Biden, she'll rewrite every record for insanity in office. Massachusetts is always right up in the front of the pack when it comes to radical leftist ideas, just like they used to lead the colonies when it came to ideas to promote freedom. So watch for this theme to be picked up a lot in the near future by the networks and a lot of the print media too. And keep in mind that it comes from a woman who said that the burning of American cities by leftist mobs is how forests grow. I never looked at it that way. I suppose we should be thankful for the burning and looting because it means something new and exciting will come about because of it. One of her advisors said recently that communities of color have borne the brunt of the COVID-19 pandemic. This isn't the first time you've heard this from the radical left. And to be fair, there is some truth in that statement. Hispanic and black residents are two to five times more likely to get the COVID virus and twice as likely to be hospitalized as white residents. And they're more likely to die than white residents, too. You'll notice that the thing missing here is the age of the people getting the disease. They don't want you to know that, because it might get in the way of their political message. The other thing not mentioned is that these statistics aren't true for all minority communities, only some. There are minority communities that track statistically even with white communities. Every available statistic confirms that people over the age of 70 are the most likely to die from the virus. And every available statistic confirms that for people under the age, the survival rate is over 99%. Yet people like Maura Healy say that racism is the problem, not the age of the people getting the disease or their overall health when they get it. I guess if we could just eliminate racism, COVID-19 will disappear too. Healy cites a report that says, overall, people of color in Massachusetts are less healthy and they die younger than white residents. They suffer higher rates of heart failure, stroke, and diabetes-related deaths. The report goes on to say that infant mortality rates for black newborns in Massachusetts is twice that of white newborns. All of these problems are obviously caused by systematic racism. But when it comes to COVID-19, this idea flies in the face of what the left has been telling us. They've been saying that if we all wear masks and we social distance and wash our hands, we probably won't get the virus. So are minorities not wearing masks and socially distancing or washing their hands? Or is Maura Healy and other radical leftists trying to tell us that even when minorities do all of these things, they still get the virus because white people are racist. I can't quite figure that one out, but it sounds like she's saying just that. So Mora says that what COVID-19 does is just amplify, reveal, and certainly exacerbate the health care disparities that have existed in our society from the beginning. From the beginning. From the founding from when those evil, racist white people started this country. Here we go again, another radical lunatic putting forth the idea that every problem in the minority community can be tracked back to racism and evil white people. To be specific, I guess she means Trump supporters. Maura Healy says she wants sweeping changes to make sure that all people are assured the same outcome. Now, how many times have you heard that line? Everyone is entitled to the same outcome. 
The radical leftists call it equality of outcome. Normal people call it authoritarian government. She also cites disparities in transportation and housing that need to be solved, too. She wants equality of outcome there, too. Remember that old television show, Lost in Space? Remember the robot on that show? His name was Rodney, Rodney the Robot. His job was to protect Will Robinson, and when there was any threat to Will, the robot would yell, Warning! Warning! Danger, Will Robinson! Danger! Danger! Well, we desperately need a robot now, a Paul Revere robot, so that any time you hear a radical leftist call for equality of outcome, the robot will start screaming, Warning! Warning! Danger! Danger! Marxist socialist! Marxist socialist! Because the concept of equality of outcome goes to the very heart of Marxism and authoritarian socialism. People who push that idea will take away everything you have, including your freedom, so they can have complete power over your life. The Pilgrims tried equality of outcome with the Mayflower Compact, and it nearly destroyed them. It wasn't until after they adopted capitalism that they had any real success. And what if Thomas Jefferson and James Madison or Alexander Hamilton had supported equality of outcome? Do you really believe that America would have been successful? How would they have written that into the Constitution? I wonder. I don't think they could have. And there were 85 Federalist Papers, remember, written by James Madison, John Jay, and Alexander Hamilton. They were written to get the people of New York to support the Constitution, and the politicians of New York should read them again now. I think people like Maura Healey would choose Karl Marx to write the 86th Federalist Paper. And now we have a state attorney general spouting Marxist ideology. And instead of people calling her out for her radicalism, they're promoting her chances of becoming the attorney general of the United States. The people of Massachusetts seem proud of her, proud of someone who would take away freedom instead of defending it. And where the hell is Paul Revere when you need him? And then there's Ayanna, I'm not Elvis Presley. She's a member of the squad. She's that congresswoman from Massachusetts, and she's a Marxist too. No one in Massachusetts dares to speak out against her. Nobody. She's the darling of the left, and the media is saying she could be a senator or even president. And Governor Charlie Baker is the governor. A nice enough guy. He wants to be president someday. But he's a Democrat who's masquerading as a Republican, and he needs to change his party affiliation. If you want to learn how Democrats became the party of the elites and turned their backs on working people and minorities, look no further than Massachusetts. This is where it all started. It's a state dominated by liberals and a media that's overwhelmingly far left. The Boston Globe is one of the most radical newspapers in the world. It's owned by a guy named John Henry. He owns the Red Sox, too. And he used to be Katie Couric's boyfriend before they broke up and then he married a local woman. John Henry is one of these people with no people skills. He's part of that investor class, and he seems to be far more comfortable in front of a computer screen than a group of people. But he owns the globe, and that makes him important. I started noticing the shift in the Democratic Party in the 2012 election between Scott Brown and Elizabeth Warren. The Democratic Party in Massachusetts was always a blue-collar party, and Liz did get a lot of support from them but it used to be a lot stronger. 
When a Democrat ran, you could count on hundreds of union workers flooding the polling places to hold signs for Democrats and threaten Republicans who were holding signs for their candidates. I remember many times when fights would break out between the opposing groups. But the unions weren't out holding signs for the fake Indian. Elizabeth Warren won that election not because of working men and women, but because of all the support she got from suburban women, teachers, and upper-middle-class voters, and rich people, too. She got the votes from the elites and the wannabe elites. The state is still very blue. Impossibly blue if you're a Republican. You see how well the Democrats have positioned themselves as the party of the so-called smart people. They're the party of people who like to believe that they're smart and superior and elite. If you look at the post of Democrats who that you know online, you can see how important it is for them to feel smart. They look down on people who don't think like them. They don't know why, because they don't know anything about the issues. They just have a need to be a part of that group of elites. The fact is, as smart as they think they are, as much as they think of themselves as elite, Massachusetts voters are ignorant and dumb. Any group of people who can elect Liz Warren, a woman as tough and cynical as Joe Stalin, or Ayanna, I'm not Elvis Presley, a far-left lunatic, can't be very smart. Massachusetts voters have elected the most radical group of politicians in the country, and their far-left policies have hurt so many people. But the voters don't seem to care who they hurt. They just need to feel part of the smart and elite team. If you ask me if I think there's any hope for them, I have to say I don't know. If they would learn about socialism, maybe. Or if they would actually start paying attention to results, perhaps. But they don't seem interested in learning or thinking. They just want to belong. They like being super smug elites. It's been a good strategy for the left. There is some hope, though. The fact that they're now using the COVID crisis to push their socialist agenda, to me, signals real desperation. That's what we've been watching play out for the last few years. Pure desperation. Under President Trump, they were so worried that people would see that capitalism worked, that it helped people. They saw that we could still work to clean the environment while being energy independent. And they liked staying out of wars and having a strong economy. With Joe Biden in the White House, and unfortunately it's beginning to look like he will be, the far left, as usual, will overplay their hand. And it's starting in Massachusetts, as usual. For them to believe that they can use COVID-19 to push that crazy equality of outcome agenda says it all. How can they actually believe that people won't figure out that what they're really talking about is Marxist socialism? The people who fired the shot heard round the world in Massachusetts believed in equality of opportunity. They believed in freedom. It would be so wonderful if the people of Massachusetts would once again believe in equality of opportunity. It'd be wonderful if they even believed in freedom. But at this point, maybe there's no hope for them. But at least we can hold them up to the rest of the country as an example of the failure of Marxist socialism. So for the next four years, the left will desperately try to force us to accept their failed ideology. And even though it might work in Massachusetts, a lot of Americans just aren't buying it. More and more people are deciding they don't want to be socialist, and they don't need to feel that they're elite either. 
They just want freedom and opportunity, and they want government to stop interfering in their lives for no good reason. I say, wait until the midterm elections in 2022. I think Republicans are going to pick up a lot of seats in both the House and the Senate because Democrats are showing too much desperation, and they'll fail with their agenda, too. It's inevitable. Still, it's so sad to see the people of Massachusetts turn their backs on their history, to see them give up on the Constitution and freedom, to see them embrace totalitarian socialism, and to try to export it to the rest of America. Fifty years after the American Revolution, former political enemies John Adams and Thomas Jefferson started writing letters to each other. They often worried that Americans didn't appreciate what the founders had accomplished and that they took their freedom for granted. If they were worried then, I can only imagine what they'd be thinking now. What they and all the rest of those patriots did was give us an opportunity to be free and have a chance to do anything we want with our lives. It would be a terrible shame to waste that opportunity.